At this time, the children may be dismissed for preschool, plan worship, and children's church. Now, I'll invite those of us who remain to find the book of Hebrews in your Bible or the Pew Bible. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. It's hard to believe that this is Thanksgiving Sunday and that Thanksgiving is this week. Um, But here we are, and for the past several weeks, we've been filling out these Thanksgiving leaves. There's an incredibly adorable little girl running across the front of the sanctuary. Many of us have filled out these uh, leaves and placed them on the tree out front. And each week we've seen as the tree, all the leaves are falling off the trees outside, but the leaves were growing on this tree in our lobby. And uh, I want you kind of to bring to mind the things that you wrote on your your leaves over these last few weeks. Have, Have any of you stopped to look at those? You should definitely stop to look at those on the way out uh, this Sunday. For one reason, because we're going to be taking them down, because Advent is next Sunday. But it's really encouraging to see just this outpouring of gratitude from among us. Some of the things that you'll see on there, simple things like food, things like security. Some were just thankful for life itself. Friends and family showed up a lot. Freedom. Our veterans, our church family, the love of Christ, God, grace, many, many, many more things were written up there. And all these blessings are really precious, and it's right that we're grateful for them. But what I'm going to call your attention to today in our passage is that some of these things are shakable, and some of them are unshakable. By shakable, I mean... They're blessings that are good, but they could be here today and gone tomorrow. They're things that are precious to us and important, and we are glad that we have them, but we have no guarantee that we're always going to have them. They're temporary. They're not permanent. So let me read back through some of these things, and you tell me. This is the audience participation portion of the sermon. You tell me, shakable, as in not always necessarily going to be a part of our lives, or unshakable. Something we can count on always being a part, okay? Let's see how this goes. Food, shakable or unshakable? Shakable. There are folks who do not have food like we have food. And even among us, there's different levels of security with food. Okay, how about that one? Uh, it, what was written was just security, and I'm not sure what the individual individual meant exactly, But let's just say they meant security regarding uh, finances, job, stable home. So security, shakable or unshakable? Shakable. Shakable. Our security that we have today could be completely obliterated tomorrow through any any number of things could happen. Life, shakable or unshakable? It's shakable. I could have a brain aneurysm right now and not even finish this sermon. Okay, let's see. Freedom, shakable or unshakable? It's shakable. We have been very blessed as Americans. And I hope that we have, you know, hundreds and hundreds more years. But we don't, we don't know for sure. Now, how about this? The love of Christ. Unshakable. God. Unshakable. 
See, there are shakable things in life and there are unshakable things in life. And here's the big idea for the sermon today. The more we fasten ourselves to the unshakable, the more grateful we will be. And the more grateful we are, the more we'll serve God and other people. Okay, so that's the train of thought. The more we fasten ourselves to the unshakable, the more grateful we will be. And the more grateful we are, the more we'll serve God and other people. Now, I get this from Hebrews chapter 12. I want to tell you a little bit about the people who originally received this letter or this sermon before we read our passage. These were Christians, probably mainly Jewish Christians, who were either in the beginnings of or were about to be in intense persecution. These are Christians who knew that they were about to be in deep trouble for being Christians. It may have already started by that point. So to, to put us in that context, or rather to, to bring that into our context, that would be like if we could see the, the writing on the wall politically that there were about to be a series of laws passed that were going to outlaw, outlaw Christians gathering together to worship. And then sure enough, the law gets passed. It's illegal to come together in Christ's name in America. And then another law gets passed where Bibles are illegal. And we see, you know, the, the military come through and, and take all the Bibles and just huge piles of Bibles burning on the sides of the road, just destroying the Bibles. We start to see Christians being arrested. You see me get arrested for trying to pastor you. You see Ron, everybody from the headquarters gets raided, everybody arrested. Put on trial. People getting locked away, and some people even receiving the death penalty. That's sort of what these Christians were looking at, okay? It's hard for us to put ourselves in that mentality here in America, but just try to imagine that's what you're facing. Would you stick with it? Would you stick with Christ? I hope so. I hope that I would. What they were experiencing was a lot of folks turning away from Christ because it was just too hard and it was too dangerous. Many of them were turning back to Judaism and renouncing Christ so that they wouldn't be killed, so that their families wouldn't be killed. And the writer of Hebrews is writing into this church, and the big message is just, hang on. Don't turn away from Christ. Christ is too excellent. He's he's the only way. Just hang on. So in this passage that we're going to read, which is Hebrews 12, we're just going to read verses 28 and 29. The line of of thinking that leads into that is the author of Hebrews is telling these Christians that God has promised that he is going to shake the earth and the heavens and everything that is shakable will be removed and only the unshakable will survive. And we have the unshakable in Christ. And apart from Christ, there is no unshakable. That's the big idea as we move into these verses. And if you're able to get the blood flowing, I'll ask you to stand also as an expression of honor as we read God's word. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. Therefore, based on the fact that God is one day going to shake away everything that is shakable, he's going to remove everything shakable. Based on that, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken and let and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship 
with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And I ask now that you would please open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to it. Lord, help us to see with crystal clarity what is shakable, what is unshakable. Help us to determine without a doubt where our feet are planted, if we are planted in the kingdom or outside of the kingdom. And as a result of all this, may we overflow with gratitude toward you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. So I always try to figure out how to illustrate the truths of the Bible to you. I illustrate things every week with varying degrees of success. Um, The image that occurs to me in regard to this passage is that of a sieve. Do you know what a sieve is? This is the world's tiniest sieve. Uh, It's the only one I could get my hands on this morning to show you. This is one that my daughter Lillian picked out for my wife for Christmas last year or something, birthday. But I don't know if you can see it, but a sieve is is like a wire mesh and you put whatever you're putting in there. I'm not a cook, so this is a dangerous illustration for me. And you shake it and all the the small stuff you don't want to keep in there sifts through and the solid stuff is kept in. Anybody use one of these before? Okay, good. Okay, now... Imagine a sieve, but instead of the tiniest sieve you've ever seen, I don't even know what you would use this for. Instead of the tiniest one you've ever seen, imagine a a massive, cosmic sieve, and everything in reality is in it. Everything is in this massive sieve. Okay? Our jobs are in there. Our bank accounts are in there. Our hobbies are in there. Our health is in there. All the religions of the world are in there. All the companies in the world is in there. Google is in there. Apple is in there. All the people of the world are in there. All our homes are in there. All our neighborhoods are in there. All the countries across the world are in there. All the people groups are in there. All the churches are in there. Everything, planets, animals, everything that exists is in the giant cosmic sieve. Okay, you picturing it? Okay. Now, often the sieve will get bumped. The sieve will get bumped and everything that is loose and movable will shake and much of it will fall. You know, your company downsizes. You get in a car wreck. A typhoon sweeps through your nation. When these things happen, things that we formerly thought were so solid and secure, we realize we're not at all. We see things that we've clung to for security all our lives start to shake and crumble and fall away and slip away out of our grasp. We thought our jobs were secure and then the economy tanked. We thought our plans were secure and then we got in that car accident. People that this was originally written to were beginning to be shaken, increasingly violently shaken. And it was terrifying. Maybe you're in that condition heading into this Thanksgiving. 
Holidays like this can be cruel because we go in and it's all positive. Yes, it's Thanksgiving. Let us give thanks. But sometimes that's not so easy. Some of you know what this feeling of shakenness feels like. Some of you are experiencing right now. Some of you are hearing this sermon and you don't realize it, but this is preparing you for the shaking that's going to come. How does the author of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, try to encourage these Christians whose world is in absolute turmoil? Basically, he says, relax. Because one day, everything is going to be shaken loose. You think this is chaotic? One day, everything in all of reality is going to be violently shaken. And everything that's unstable and shakable is going to be removed. But we have received the unshakable kingdom. So I want to talk to you about the unshakable kingdom. Do you guys remember my very first sermons here? I don't remember my very first sermons here. I'm sure that they were not stellar. You guys have put up with a a slow trek up the learning curve with me. I don't really remember my first sermons, but if you look in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus's biographies in the Bible, you can see some of his first sermons. And much of what he talked about, especially when he first arrived on the scene, was the kingdom of God. In Mark 1.15, he says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. He enters the pages of, of scripture and history As a conquering king. He's a conquering king coming into the land that he is invading. And shouting and trumpeting to everyone. I am going to conquer this kingdom. It is happening now and will be completed. And I'm inviting all of you who are subjects to this worldly kingdom. To renounce your allegiance to the world. And swear allegiance to me as the true king. And any of you who are in this enemy kingdom that I am conquering, who do so, who will renounce your citizenship in the worldly kingdom, I will accept without penalty as full citizens of the kingdom of God. This this offer is open to all. This is the good news. But if you do not accept my offer, I will have to treat you as an enemy combatant. And when I bring my, this conquering, uh, when I um, bring my conquest to a close, you will be judged as an enemy. But right now, please come, renounce your citizenship in this awful worldly kingdom. Come and swear allegiance to me. That, That is basically the gospel message as Jesus rides into reality in Matthew and Mark and Luke especially. This whole idea of the kingdom, though, is a really fuzzy idea to many of us. You know, I spent years preaching through Romans, and Romans doesn't use kingdom language. It uses gospel language, but they are one and the same. The unshakable kingdom is everything under Jesus Christ's rule. Everything under Jesus's reign. If, you've rena- if you have renounced your allegiance to yourself, the things of this world, the enemy and sworn allegiance to Jesus Christ through putting your trust and faith in him, 
you are a citizen of the unshakable kingdom. And it's on this basis that even the Hebrews could be grateful. It's on this basis that we have our deepest, our deepest sense of gratitude as Christians. Even though everything around you may be rattling and crumbling and falling away. Have any of you experienced that? Everything that you thought was stable in this world starts to rattle and crumble and fall away. Even in those situations, Christians can remain grateful. So because we have the unshakable kingdom, we can also have unshakable gratitude. This is what Jesus meant when he said in Matthew 5.10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus flips everything. And therefore, a Christian's experience of both thanksgiving and suffering is very different from a non-Christian's experience of both thanksgiving and suffering. A non-Christian who does not have Jesus Christ, does not have the unshakable kingdom, all they have is this world. All they have is the shakable. Some of, some of you are still in that condition. All of us at least were at one point in that condition. All of us know and love people dearly who are in that condition. All we have apart from Christ is the shakable, the temporary. So when the spouse dies of cancer, or when the diagnosis comes down on us, or when the loneliness sets in, all we have without Christ is either distraction or despair. What else is there? But if our feet are planted in Jesus' kingdom, if we're trusting and following him, the, the shaking makes us even more grateful because we realize just how secure we really are. He doesn't move. His promises don't move. God's faithfulness doesn't move. And it's when our world is shaking the most that we realize that the most. And we know that our king is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. We can know that what our king says is true when he said, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We can ask with Paul, if God, if our king is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of our king? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? In the kingdom, in the unshakable kingdom, we can say with confidence, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, through our king. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our King. What security, what stability, what strength. Yes, all things will one day slip through, but not the kingdom. 
And therefore, we can always be grateful. And following the line of thinking from these verses, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The unshakable kingdom leads to unshakable gratitude, which then leads to unshakable service. Let me show you where I get that. He says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, based on that, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I think the King James Version gets this closer to correct. It says, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. The idea is is service. It can also mean worship, but it's a service sort of worship. So it's not just hands in the air song singing. It's real action in service to the king. Have you ever been so shaken by your circumstances that you couldn't function? The, the anxiety it produced in you just shut you down? Maybe I'm the only one who's been in that situation. I very recently have been in that situation where the stress of circumstances met with my own sinful responses to that in an explosion of chaos. And it did shut me down. The anxiety from it shut me down. I know y'all have experienced this before. Don't look at me like I'm standing up here by myself, like I'm some... The, the road back to fruitful living, serving God and serving people is not to just hang on until our circumstances stop shaking. The road back is to remember who the king is. To remember what we have as citizens of the kingdom. Our forgiveness, our acceptance before God, our pro- the promises that I just read out to you. The, the road back to functionality in those times is to remember who the king is and listen for his voice again and to get back in here and to remember what he said and to, to allow him to point out the sin in us and to respond the way he tells us to and to move forward the way he instructs us to. The kingdom offers stability as such that we can be genuinely grateful in all circumstances and thus continue to vigorously serve God and people in all circumstances. Gratitude is such a peaceful state to be in. Do you remember the last time you were really, really thankful for something? God came through in some unexpected way. Someone just did something very kind for you that you really needed. Do you remember that feeling of gratitude? It's a peaceful feeling. It's, it's the kind of feeling that you can operate out of. It's different from the anxiety and stress that many of us carry around. Even in this passage, it seems evident that in standing in the unshakable kingdom and experiencing the unshakable gratitude, there's a transfer of fear from our circumstances to God where it belongs. It says, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Or your translation may say fear and reverence. See, as Christians, when it all starts to shake and it starts to fall through, we remember what's real what's the most real, and it's God. We remember what's the most enduring thing, and it's not our circumstances or even ourselves, it's God. And our fear starts to get put back into the right order and starts to work for us instead of against us. 
And when we're in this state of thanksgiving, we can serve people. And I want to close with this idea. You know, it's Thanksgiving week. I hope that this has been of some encouragement to you, especially if you're in one of those shaking times of life right now. But if you really want to celebrate Thanksgiving, you know, we we talk about often heading into holidays, how best to celebrate as a family. Um, You know, We've had different ideas, kind of like the leaves out there, different ways of of writing down what we're grateful for so we can really appreciate it. And those are good. But I think biblically, the best way to express gratitude is to serve God and people. And if you look in your Bibles, as he finishes this thought, this encouragement to the people, he's giving them an assignment to worship God through service, to serve God in a well-pleasing way. And then in 13, the very next verses, he lays out a list. I think what he's doing is saying like this, you know, based on the unshakable kingdom, you have unshakable gratitude and therefore you can serve unshakably in these ways. And I want to close just reading some of what he says in chapter 13. And maybe this can form some of how you celebrate this Thanksgiving. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now we're going to pray together now and you're going to have a time to respond to God's word through giving of your tithes and your offerings, through songs of thanksgiving. But right now, let's respond in prayer. Would you bow with me? Father, I ask now that you would bring to our minds anything that we've been clinging to for stability that is shakable. Lord, I pray that we would let go of those things. That we would see those things as though blessings not meant for us to find our security in them. Help us to let go of those things and use those things for your glory and for the good of other people. Lord, if there's anyone in here who is still a part of the shakable world kingdom and has not heard your call, your invitation, I pray that they would hear that clearly now and that they would, that they would renounce their citizenship in this world and swear allegiance to you and trust and follow you. Those of us who are Christians in the kingdom, Lord, I pray that you would help us to see clearly what we have. Help us to abound with gratitude. Deep, deep deep-seated gratitude in the kingdom and not our circumstances. And thus help us to serve you and people this week. In Jesus' name, amen.